0: Hey can't wait to drop this on you yeah they gonna have fun with that. Smash like song My song's gonna break through like running hey everybody welcome back to the podcast that is always up to speed with Formula One it is Wednesday no Thursday January 11th 2024 belated happy New Year to everyone took a week off last week just to kind of get back into the groove of things after 10 days of doing a little bit of basically nothing well Whatever you do at that time of the year, the holiday season, eat too much, sleep too much, do a lot of nothing, but it was a good time and hope that uh, everybody enjoyed a, a similar uh, wind down to uh, 2023 and then the reboots for 2024 back into it now. And this is season nine, episode 508 of Scooter f one and welcome back to uh, one and all before we jump into the show tonight. Just uh, first of all, want to uh, remind everyone of the Race Weekend magazine. You can find them at the raceweekend.com, and that is R A C E W K N D.com. Enter in Scuderia Pod at checkout to receive a 10% discount on a year subscription. And also check out racingexclusives.com. Uh, T's and the crew have a lot of wonderful, one of a kind, authentic and official Formula and Merch with a Certificate of Authenticity, and you can check them out at racingexclusives.com. So, here we go back into it. I guess we're now what about two months away from the start of the 2024 Formula One World Championship, and slowly but surely, I think I'm starting to get ready to go racing again. And I'm sure, just like many of yourselves at home there listening to the pod tonight. We were pretty much done with last season, before last season was over. It was not a question of if, but when Max was going to win the championship last season. And it just, once it was all mathematically wrapped up, I think most of us were ready to, to put, you know, a nice bowl around that season, tie it up and put it to the side and move on to the future. But anyways, it is what it is. And hopefully this year will be a lot more competitive. The one thing that I really like about this time of year and, uh, unfortunately we only have a partial list here and that is the launch dates, the big reveals of the, the new contenders for the season ahead. So as of today, we only have four dates confirmed. Uh, Williams is set to launch their, uh, 24 challenger uh, on uh, February 5th in New York city. Sauber F1 Stake take kick, kick team, whatever it is. Anyway, no kidding. Steak F1 team kicks Sauber. Boy, that is going to be such a mouthful to say all season long. Oh, boy. They're also going to launch their car on February 5th, but not in the Big Apple. They're going to do that in London. Aston Martin set to launch their car February 12th at Silverstone. And last but not least, Ferrari are going to reveal their car at a launch on February 13th. The time and location still be to confirmed. And then Red Bull, Mercedes, McLaren, LP, and AlphaTauri and Haas. None of them have committed to a date or a location for a launch yet. But uh, watch this space. Check it out. And uh, before you know it, that list will will fill itself up uh, pretty quickly. So the big news of the week is the one and only the very colorful and charismatic Benther Steiner is out at uh, Haas as team principal. And, uh, well, I think that was a bit of a shock. Didn't really see that one coming, or maybe we did. But uh, it's, uh, you know, I guess something nobody really expected at this time of year because it's a bit strange, right? We saw this time last year that uh, Ferrari parted ways with Bonato and then Williams parted ways with uh, Yos Capito. So maybe not that strange, but just from a logistics and a planning and a preparation point of view for a new team, or not for a new team, but for a new season, a new car and everything that goes with it. You know we're only two months away from the season. I can imagine that there's a lot going on at all ten teams, at all those factories, and all those design shops, getting these cars ready and put together to get to, to a preseason testing. Uh, testing, pardon me, in Bahrain, and then the uh, the, the first uh, round of races for the season. And it's going to be a long season that we're going to have this year. So to pull the plug on a team principle at what seems to be a very crucial time of year in the development curve, uh, with the, the the season just around the corner, is. Uh, I find it a little bit odd. Anyways, uh, there was a, a statement that uh, was uh, released by Haas, and they have uh, announced that um, Oyao Kumatsu will uh, be the the new uh, team principal. And uh, in the statement, they said, quote, a brief uh, ma- to maximize the team's pro- potential, pardon me, through employee empowerment and structural process, and efficiency. So Gene Haas said that, uh, and he's the owner of the team, of course, was very clear that his focus is on perfor- you know, improving the performance of the team, which is kind of funny because he, he's very quiet, right? I mean, we, we've heard some things here and there, a few audio clips and Drive to Survive, but uh, you know, he's he's been a very hands-off owner ever since they joined the grid a number of years ago. Anyways, uh, Haas had to say, quote, I'd like to start by extending my thanks to Gunther Seiner for all his hard work over the past decade, and I wish him well in the future. Moving forward as an organization, it was clear we need to improve our on-track performances, and appointing Oyao Komatsu as team principal, we have fundamentally have engineering at heart of our management. We have had some successes, but we need to be consistent in delivering results that help us reach our wider goals as an organization. We need to be efficient with the resources we have, but improving our design and engineering capability is a uh, key to a success as our team. I'm looking forward to working with Ayao and fundamentally ensuring that we maximize our potential. This truly reflects my desire to compete properly in F1. End quote. Anyways, um, Komatsu joined Haas as a chief race engineer back in their debut se- season. Pardon me, back in 2016. He was uh, Formula 1's first Japanese uh, team principal, or is the Formula 1's first Japanese uh, team principal of a European uh, team. And uh, Komatsu himself said, quote, I'm naturally very excited to have the opportunity to be a team principal at MoneyGram Haas F1 team. Having been with the team since its uh, track debut back in uh, 2016, I'm obviously passionately invested in the success in Formula 1. I'm looking forward to leading our program and the various competitive operations internally. To ensure we can build a structure that produces um, improved on-track performances, we are a performance-based business. We obviously haven't been competitive enough recently, which has been a source of frustration for us at, uh, for us all. We have amazing support from Gene and our various uh, partners, and we want to mirror their enthusiasm with an improved on-track product. We have a great team of people across Canapolis, Banbury, and Marinello, and together, I know we can achieve the kind of results we are capable of and quote uh anyways very interesting there's lots of stories of course uh, going on uh, or circulating the, this week about uh, the departure of Gunther Steiner that was just the first and that was um, most of those quotes came courtesy of uh, uh motorsports.com so Gene Hass, the owner said he felt embarrassed by the team's uh, poor f1 form or their their, their form over the last uh, number of uh, years anyways uh, has told the official Formula One website, quote, Ferrari has been very good to us. They have been with us since day one. They build incredible engines. Their suspension is extremely good. We have been using a lot of their hardware. It works really well. They do it. To, they really do help us. I'm embarrassed we haven't been able to do better with it, but going forward, I want to take advantage of good equipment that a lot of other teams don't have. And things are going to get a lot more competitive. Red Bull Alpha AlphaTauri. We're starting to see these relationships evolve, and I think the competition is going to be very intense, so having a partner like Ferrari is going to be very important. I talked to a lot of the uh, the engineers, and I think our biggest failing is aero. Our aero program needs work. When you're at the track and you're humiliated every weekend, I'm going to stop taking that one anymore. and then he went on to, to uh, talk uh, more about the departure of Gunther Steiner and has said the following: who say, quote, it came down to performance. Here we are in our eighth year, over 160 races. We have never had a podium the last couple of years, we've been a 10th or 9th. I'm not sitting here saying it's Gunther's fault or anything like that, but it just seems that this was an appropriate time to make a change and try a different direction because it doesn't seem like continuing with what we had is really going to work. I like Gunther. He's a really nice person. He has a really good personality. We had a tough end to the year. I don't understand that. I really don't. Those are good questions to ask Gunther. What uh, what went wrong? At the end of the day, it's about performance. I have no interest in being 10th Anymore, end quote. So that's a very interesting. Uh, You know, we've we've had some uh, you know pretty good uh, discussions on this podcast over time. Just uh, what what uh, you know Haas's intentions are. Is he you know? Well, I'm not even really sure (laughs) based on that quote there. I mean, he's obviously fed up. He says he wants to do better. He feels that results are better. They haven't reached their potential, and I think that's fair enough. I think that's uh, pretty obvious that they've never really uh, delivered. They've kind of hinted here and there. That uh, maybe there was something more under the hood, maybe there was something that uh, they could still deliver, some uh, better results on the track, some better seasons, better results in the championship, but it's never really worked uh, out that way. And uh, it'll be interesting to see going forward because, I mean, he has a very, very valuable commodity on his hands. Should he wish uh, to sell that? I mean, I'm sure Michael Andretti would be uh, (laughs) willing to part with a bit of money to, or a lot of money actually, to take that uh, team off his hands. Or maybe he's finally woken up and realized, hey, I've got one of 10 Formula One teams and those are extremely, extremely rare. There is, uh, you know, they are not very easy or common to come by. So maybe I should start doing something with this valuable, valuable property and team that I have. So it'll be uh, interesting uh, to see. Anyways, uh, when talking about uh, Komatsu, the new uh, team principal, Gene has uh, told uh, F1.com, quote, we look from with when, uh, within and who had most uh, experience. He has been with the team since day one. He knows its ins and outs of it. My biggest uh, concern is when we go to Bahrain, we need to show up with a car that is ready to go. Maybe having a more of a managerial type and engineering approach. We'll see if that has uh, benefits. I think Gunther had a more of a human type approach to everything with what people and uh, the way he interacted with people. He was very good at that. He was very technical. He looks at things based on statistics. This is what we're doing bad, What where we can do better. It's a different approach. We really need something different because we weren't really doing anything that well. Like I said, it all comes down to eight years in, dead last. Nothing more I can say on that. End quote. But uh, you know, I, I think the interesting part of that uh, quote from Gene has for me is that second uh, sentence where he says, "My biggest concern is when we go to K- uh, Bahrain, etc." Says maybe having more of a managerial type and engineering approach, we'll see if that has benefits. So I understand that uh, you know he's picked somebody that's been with the team for a very very long time, understand how it works, understands the people, understands what they're trying to achieve. But the last bit there, which is key for me, is the. quote, we'll see if that has benefits so it's almost like i wouldn't say he's throwing something at the wall and hoping that it will stick but it certainly has a, a bit of that vibe uh, to it and i don't know if um this is a bit of a rash decision by gene hass uh, to let uh, gunther steiner go but um that is a bit of an odd question because that that just leaves that leaves the whole situation a little bit hanging for me that has it hasn't really been thought through sure you pick a, an experienced person and and in uh, Komatsu, but I don't know. <laughs> Anyhow, this is kind of an interesting one here. This is a uh, a story written by, where was it now? Uh, Thomas Mayer over at uh, planetf1.com entitled, Heartbreaking Details from Shot Gunther Standard Departure Revealed. And uh, there's some interesting uh, quotes in there. So uh, let's see, where's the first quote here? So, Uh, The the paragraph begins with uh, Steiner and Haskell in their separate ways. Details on the nature of the split have started to emerge. According to Sky Sports journalist uh, Craig Slater, the decision to split may, may have been made during December, and as a consequence, Steiner living in the United States, he didn't get a chance to say goodbye to the factory. Uh, at the factory to the team he's worked for for almost a decade. Uh, anyways, um, Craig Slater had the following to say, quote, I learned about this at the weekend, but some people I've spoken to say they've known about it for a couple of weeks now. As far as I can glean, a surprise to him that he would not be getting his contract renewed. We can't say that he's been sacked because his normal, his contract had come to an end and Gene Haas has decided not to renew that. End quote. So uh, that's uh, very, very interesting. So, I guess, technically, if you don't get your you know, contract renewed, you're not fired, but certainly uh, the, the the message is pretty clear. You're out. You're not coming back. You haven't uh, done what we wanted you to do. So we're going to give uh, the job to somebody else and see if uh, they can do uh, do the work instead. Anyways, so this uh, next story here is uh, called, uh, Can F1's Latest Engineer Team Boss Pull Off a McLaren-style Turnaround for Haas? And that was written by Jonathan Noble over at motorsport.com. Uh, and uh, well, there, there is some precedent here because uh, last uh, year when uh, Andrea Stella uh, took over from, uh, from Seidel at uh, Andrea Seidel over at uh, McLaren, they really had a fantastic turnaround of course the season started pretty bad for mclaren it didn't look very very promising for a good number of races many many races in fact until we got to austria at the beginning of july and then all of a sudden it's like holy smokes where did this mclaren come from this is what we've been hoping for for a while and uh they had a couple of uh, little ups well they had some ups and downs along the way but there were more ups and more than, than than downs and for me, I think they were one of the bright spots in a season where it uh, was too often uh, predictable. And uh, I guess the, uh, the the big question is now, with uh, Ayao Komatsu uh, taking uh, control of uh, the, the team principal job at uh, at Haas F1, can he do something similar to what Andrea Stella did at McLaren uh, last season? So, yeah. Um, that's a $64,000 question, right? I mean, can he really get the job done? I mean, we don't really know like how much money is he going to work with. I mean, it's always seemed like this is a team that's operated on a shoestring budget. I mean, they've decided a lot of the time to to purchase off-the-shelf parts from Ferrari where they can rather than build everything themselves. They've got a little corner in the factory at Marinello on the the Ferrari campus where they where they've got a, you know, a shop and operation set up. So the, the, the two teams are pretty tightly integrated. I mean, Ferrari more, or sorry, uh, Haas more with uh, Ferrari than the other way around. I mean, I'm sure that's more beneficial to Haas than Ferrari, but who know, who knows, it might be a mutually beneficial uh, situation. But, you know, Komatsu has a very, very big job in front of him. And uh, again, I'm just going to read this one quote from Gene Hasek and quote, in appointing a Yao Komatsu's team principal, we fundamentally have engineering at the hearts of our management. So he's really putting, and quote, he's really putting the, that banking on somebody that's uh, not just uh, good at managing, but has uh, a good engineering mind, a good understanding how to design and build Formula One cars and, uh, and, and maybe deliver them to the promised land. And I think it was interesting because a couple of weeks ago, I read a quote from Gunther Steiner on uh, one of the previous episodes of this podcast, and it was something uh, to the effect uh, that, that Gunther was saying that, well, in the, the the model that we have, you know, we're we're not going to be winning races and championships and things like that, but maybe what we have here is is something that we can kind of like, you know, contend for fifth or fourth or basically for, for middle of the pack. And I, I, I read that and I thought to myself, huh, that doesn't really seem i wouldn't say defeatist but it, it didn't really excite me either because it's like what are these guys really trying to achieve it's just like we're, we're trying to be the best of the rest of the rest basically you know that that that's what it comes down to is like we know we're not going to win races we're not we know we're not going to win championships but if we can kind of sort of finish in the middle of the pack then hey you know that's that's good enough for what we can do in, uh, in, in, in with this team, with what we have. And I really felt underwhelmed and I wouldn't say upset by that, but certainly disappointed because I don't know, do you want like somebody like Steiner just to be upfront and say the quiet bit out loud rather than, no, we're, we're here, we're going to do our best to win races and, and things like that. When we all know that realistically that isn't going to happen. And I think maybe that was a part of, or a lot of Gunther Steiner's charm and why he was so popular with people is that he had a, a tendency to call things and and say things exactly like they were there was no kind of beating around the bush there was no kind of hiding or camouflaging or or trying to like uh cover over what uh, was a reality so he just uh, always said uh, what, what it was, but again, uh, Gene has said the following: "We say, quote, we need to be efficient with the resources we have, but improving our design and engineering capability is key to our success as a team. I'm really working, uh, looking forward to working with the Yao and fundamentally ensuring that we maximize our potential. This truly reflects my desire to compete properly in Formula One." End quote. So Gene, please tell us what is your desire to compete properly in Formula 1 is it um very much like what Gunther Steiner said a couple of weeks ago that hey yeah, if we finish 4th or 5th in the championship that's like winning the championship for us that's that's good enough that's all we're aiming for or are they aiming for something uh, a, a little bit more so that uh, i think for time we'll be, uh, it will be we will tell i mean it's going to be an experiment obviously for for a long time because it's, it's going to take uh, Komatsu, I would think, a substantial amount of time to really do anything, or maybe not. Maybe he knows uh, exactly what needs to be done, and now that uh, he's in charge of the show, maybe he can enact and put things in place that need to be done now, and who knows? Maybe we'll see a massive improvement from Haas once we get to to, to winter testing, once we get to the actual season, but... You know, I have to admit, I'm a little bit uh, skeptical. Uh, skeptical, Anyways, uh, there's another interesting uh, story here from Planet F1 uh, written by Elizabeth Blackstock, friend of the show. And uh, this one is uh, called Revealed, What Hass Employees Really Thought of Gunther Steiner in a Tough Spell. So uh, Elizabeth has a, a number of really good, uh, mostly anonymous quotes here. Uh, the first one is, quote, he's the best team boss I've ever worked with, and I've worked with a lot uh, another one said quote with Gunther there's no question you always know what's going on he's not hiding he's always telling you the truth if i was bleeping up he came up to me what the bleep are you doing pull yourself together <laughs> end quote that seems very uh, on brand for Gunther Steiner and very much of what we've seen and heard from him uh since he became a, a bit of a you know a cult figure a bit of a you know a rock star in the uh, the the formula 1 subculture and you know, really catapulted to to prominence uh, with uh, his his appearances in uh, Drive to Survive. Uh, another person uh, has to had to say, quote, uh, I need someone to come here and tell me you made a mistake. But on the other hand, if you did good, Steiner was always there tapping on the shoulder saying, mate, that's it, good work, end quote. So there's uh, some uh, interesting ones there. There's another one here. And this one's uh, interesting because uh, having uh, been in a position in my professional life to, to have a, a managerial job and and have uh, you know teams and people working underneath me, this one kind of really stood out. Uh, this one anonymous quote was, uh, Steiner is a great guy. He didn't micromanage, but he oversaw everything. He didn't come to have to come and talk to, to all the different employees and the departments, but he did because he wanted to know what was going on. Some stuff he just bat away, just go effing fix it. That's how he was. Other stuff he would say, okay, mate, let's have a chat. What do we need to sort? Uh, what do we need to do to sort this out? End quote. So some interesting uh, insight uh, and quotes there from uh, Elizabeth Blackstock. Um, just quickly before I get into a break here. So um, uh, Günther Steiner wasn't the only person to leave the team uh, this week, but uh, their technical uh, director Simone Resta has also left Haas, and uh, it is uh, not known at this point if he will return to Ferrari, where he used to work. Um, but, uh, he's been at Haas since 2021 and it was part of, uh, you know, the arrangement uh, between Ferrari and Haas, who is the customer team. And, um, uh, it was, uh, it sort of really came about because, uh, Ferrari wanted to have strong technical ties between the two, uh, teams, and, uh, they've, uh, really been uh, working close together now since 2016. That's almost a decade. Holy smokes. I keep, uh, you know, having to remind myself it's 2024 and 2016. When you see, that is eight years ago already. That's uh, a bit frightening. Okay, well, let's take a, a, a real quick uh, break here. We'll come back. I uh, got a, a couple more stories here uh, just around Haas and then uh, a couple uh, other interesting stories to talk about involving McLaren and Williams and uh, Mercedes. We'll talk about those, but time for now for a quick message from our sponsor. So please don't go away. We'll be right back. Passion All right, everybody. Welcome back to the show. And boy, you know, I was uh, sitting down here in the studio tonight to to do the, 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 the podcast. And it was a weird day today. I woke up this morning to go to work, drop the kids off at school, and it was clear as a bell. And I get a message from my son at lunchtime, I'm sitting in my office doing my work. Saying, "Hey, I'm at school right now, and it's snowing like a blizzard," and I had to laugh. I'm like, "Dude, that can't be snowing. It's uh, it you you got to be joking." I figured he was trying to get out of school, trying to get uh, like have an excuse to go home early or something like that. Anyways, uh, I went out. uh, I like to go for a walk at lunch times uh, when uh, whenever the the the, the weather cooperates. So I went out for my my daily constitutional about half past twelve or something like that. I'm walking around the neighborhood near where my office is. I'm looking around. I look back towards the parts of, uh, well, because, you know, we all live, uh, I live in the the, the suburbs of Vancouver, Canada. I look back towards where I live from, you know, nearby my office and it is. Hitch black. Like it was black, black, black. It was unreal. <laughs> it looked like it was almost uh, night and uh, over that part of the city or the suburbs, anyways. And it's like, okay, well, maybe there's something going on here. So I go for my walk for about half an hour. I get uh, get back to the office. I get a phone call from my wife, and she's just like, yeah, there's, you know, it's supposed to be snowing over the school there, but it's nice and sunny at home. And uh, I'm like, yeah, it's it's okay over here too. And, uh, as, you know, having said that, I look over my shoulder, I see a couple of snowflakes coming down. And then within about like 15, 20 minutes, it turned into a full-on blizzard. So I find myself grabbing my stuff, running for my car. Uh, knowing that uh, I've got to go and pick all the kids up from school, and uh, boy, did I ever get lucky because uh, I managed to pick up everybody, get home, and picked up uh, my youngest son from from school only about five or ten minutes later than usual. Got everybody home, and we live up at the top of a big hill. And uh, I came from the other way, and uh, as I was just turning into our, our neighborhood, the street into our neighborhood, I see the the snowplow struggling to get up the hill and and salt and uh, and clear the roads in front of my house. So it's a uh, pretty, pretty messy out there right now. And, uh, just looking at the traffic after I got home, it was just gridlock and mayhem everywhere. So certainly glad that I got home when I did, because I'm looking at the, the, the temperature now on the, uh, just at the, the taskbar on the, uh, the monitor here it says it's minus nine degrees Celsius outside, which for Vancouver being in the, the the Pacific Northwest is extremely cold uh, because November kind of went on for about two and a half months this year. It, uh well, I mean, ever since Halloween, I mean, it's sort of been wet and mild and, you know, we don't get a lot of like really wintry weather here, but we do get some cold snaps, uh, you know, several times throughout the winter. We usually get one big, maybe one or two big dumps of snow but uh, winter was very very late in coming to to Vancouver and that it, it literally showed up at about uh, half an hour so i thought i got to get home you know i got to uh, got to get the kids want to get the you know get everything ready sit down do the podcast so here we are so the weather report uh over and uh, just wanted to talk uh, a little bit more about Haas before I get into uh, some of the uh, other stories here. And there's a, an interesting uh, article up on Planet F1 uh, by Thomas Mayer again, uh, and it's uh, titled Andretti Buyout, Banato Arrival, What's Next for Haas After Gunther Steiner Exit? And I was thinking about that, too, when I heard the news, like, like, what is Gene Haas trying to really do? Like, uh, is he, and I was talking about it before the break, is he trying to do something with this team that he's had now for almost a decade, but they've never really lived up to any expectations or potential? You have to wonder, like, uh, with uh, Andretti, I mean, he's kind of been blocked in, in every avenue and, they, you know, the the existing Formula One teams have really made it difficult for him to get into Formula One. And uh, I just, but it would be kind of strange too, like if, um, you know, Steiner to not bring back, or sorry, for for Haas not to be, bring back uh, Steiner, because if Andretti was to, to buy the team, you would think that he would come in, take a look at everybody there and the decides, you know, uh, right off the bat, either we're going to just let everybody go and bring in our own people, or maybe we want to take a look around and see who's uh, you know, who do we want to keep on board, who do we want to let go, all those uh, sorts of things. But I think uh, Thomas Mayer uh, asked some uh, very good uh, questions here like, what is next for Haas after Gunther Steiner exit, and what is next for for Gunther Steiner himself, uh, I think that he's going to be at an auto show sometime this week in the, the United Kingdom. said he would uh, speak more at that point, so it would be uh, very interesting to, to see what uh, what Gunther has to say. Uh, finally, just uh, on this, uh, as uh, before I move on to other stories, there was uh, one final article on Planet F1 uh, by Jamie Woodhouse, and uh, Jamie's done a great job uh, really summarizing the, uh, the, the current Formula One team principles and how long that they've uh, been on the job. Uh, so at the top of the list here, we have Christian uh, Horner over at Red Bull. He's been on the job at Red Bull since January of 2005, almost 20 years. So uh, Horner himself retired from racing at 25. He started uh, into a career of uh, management. He bought a stake in Arden International Team, which uh, had some, uh, you know, some su- success in the, the junior racing scene. Uh, but he was always looking for uh, a way to get into Formula One. He got that opportunity with uh, Red Bull by uh, appointing him the, the the team principal at the uh, the start of 2005 after they 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 bought out uh, Jaguar. So that uh, that's a long time. That's almost two decades. Over at Aston Martin, Mike Crack. Uh, he's only been on the job for a couple of years. Report, uh, appointed in January 2022. Frederick Vasseur at Ferrari. It was uh, December 2022. So just uh, a month and a bit, or sorry, a year and a bit. Pardon me. Uh, Andrea Stella McLaren also was appointed uh, to that role in December of 2022. Uh, James Vowles, the team principal of uh, Williams, has been on the job since January of 23, so only a year. And then uh, Sauber Alessandro Alunia Bravi, uh, who is, I don't think actually has uh, like a formal like team principal role. I think they came up with something weird after Fred Vasseur left to go over to uh to Ferrari and take the team principal role there. Anyways, uh Bravi was uh appointed to that job in February sorry, January of 2023. Uh Bruno Famine at uh, Alpine has been on the job since uh, July of last year and uh, Laurent Miki's at uh, Alpha Tauri uh, took over in uh December of 2023. So uh, teams uh, bosses that have been uh, replaced Gunther Steiner was uh, on the job at Haas since April of 2014 until just a couple of days ago. Franz Tost uh, at Alfa Tauri. Uh, he'd been on the job since 2005 as well, and uh, he just uh, retired at the uh, the end of uh, last year. So you know, so lots of people coming and going, but uh, very interesting uh, to see some of those uh, some of the names that have been on there for for a long time. Uh, Where was Toto Wolf? I thought I had Toto on on the list there somewhere as well. Yeah, so sorry, Toto's been on the job at Mercedes since uh, 2013, January 2013. And then uh, Fred Vasseur, of course, I think, uh, I don't know if I mentioned Fred Vasseur, but... uh Uh, December 2022. So he's been uh, there at uh, Ferrari for a little bit as well. Okay, moving on to McLaren. So uh, McLaren, uh, we've talked about them uh, quite a bit. You know, mentioned, dropped that name a couple of times in this episode and talked about them a lot over the past uh, season for both uh, the good, the bad, and a little bit of everything uh, in between. It certainly was a very wild season in 2023 for uh, the Woking team. So uh, their team principal, Andrea Stella, says that they're entirely focused on optimizing their development, rather than being you know dialing in and really uh, getting hyper focused on specific results, and uh, he he insists uh, Stella that is that if they they meet their development targets, that the results will take uh, care of themselves. So you know it, there are no or uh, there's there's no debate that uh, the the start to last year was pretty much a disaster for McLaren but they certainly turned it around uh, big time and uh, even though they had a couple of uh, setbacks along the way after the big resurgence uh, at the 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 beginning of July you know, they, they did obviously have some hiccups uh, towards, uh, you know, in that run down to to the, uh, the end of the season. But by and large, very, very impressive turnaround. And it was uh, exciting to watch uh, the way that uh, they really reestablished themselves as a, uh, a legitimate, exciting and, and fun team to watch. And uh, certainly uh, Piastri and Norris are a couple of very good drivers. They had some uh, very, very good drives in uh, that second half of the season. And the, the the couple of races that just didn't work out for them, certainly, uh, you know, they'll I'm sure they'll be able to kind of put those to one side, having uh, you know the 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 knowledge and the the confidence that uh, what they did certainly did work uh, very very well for the for for the most part. Uh, anyways, uh, Andrea Stella had a couple of uh, things to, to say, uh, an exclusive uh, interview with uh, Philip Clear over to Motorsport.com. Uh, He said, quote, I won't talk about how we want to be second, first, third, because that's not even the language we use internally at McLaren. We don't talk about this. Uh, Results take care of themselves. What we talk about is this. What do we have to do in terms of aerodynamic development, mechanical development? how do we improve the interaction with the tires the normal areas if you ask any other team they would give you the same answer just the products the products projects pardon me that we need to deliver how do we deliver the projects how we make sure that they actually deliver what we want and that's what the focus should be we are making sure that every day we feel we are making a little step forward we are increasing competency we are increasing expertise we are increasing our knowledge in every parameter that ultimately will deliver performance on track Then once we are in Bahrain, once we are in Saudi, we will see how good of a job that we have done. One thing I often tell them, especially my leadership team, plans are really good, but we are not here to execute plans. We are here to deliver performance. Plans are a good reference, but then pretty much every day you need to adapt and say, what does this mean for my next step? And how do I have to revisit my plan? Plans could easily lead to a comfort zone. I tried to take it from the point of view with that uh, focus on performance. A plan is a tool. It is not the aim, end quote. Very interesting, a bit of insight uh, there from uh, Andrea Stella and uh, his mindset into uh, developing uh, that that car and their program and uh, what they, they they need to do. Very very interesting that he focuses more on performance because I mean if you compare that to some of the uh, the the quotes and some of the uh, the different things that uh, Gene has had to say that I read off at the the, the beginning of the podcast is that uh, they seem to have not been quite focused on uh, performance as much as uh, they they should have done so. Uh, interesting sort of differing mindsets uh, between Haas and uh, McLaren. So going back to 2022 in the French Grand Prix um, is according to uh, McLaren CEO, Zach Brown, it was a catalyst for their shock turnaround in, in formula one. So obviously we were talking just now and earlier in the show, just like how big of a turnaround that they had uh, last year, mid season, but uh Zach Brown wants to uh, you know dial that uh, back even further when he was uh, speaking uh, with uh, motorsport.com. he said that he goes all the way back to the French Grand Prix in 2022. He, they were late with upgrades, they were ineffective and uh, the the reaction that the leadership team was not the the reaction that Zach Brown wanted to see. and uh, that was also the, the the same time that they were going to be starting to develop their car for the next season. So he says that was a very very big moment at uh, in that season for, uh, for for himself personally, and they made the uh, the changes at the end of the year with Andrea Stella coming in as uh, team principal. Uh, he uh, he said, uh, "quote Let's change this, change some people, hire some people." End quote, and uh, he believes that's when things started to uh, to, to to change. Um. Anyways, uh, well they they did get uh, gains. Uh, Lando Norris said at the time that uh, that the, the changes the improvements were not something that he said he would dream of but uh, he didn't really think uh, that any really anyone really expected a lot of the improvements back at that French Grand Prix in uh, in 2022 uh zac brown said that uh, when they were you know, heading into last year they did have a degree of uh, optimism and they were positive even if uh, they they felt that uh, the car that they had at the start of the season wasn't quite where they they, they wanted to be or wasn't as good as they wanted to be Anyways, uh, the the quote here that uh, finishes the article from Zach Brown is quote: We were confident, but until you put the car put it on the car and it works, you never know. I think uh, what is good is we knew that we weren't going to be strong immediately, so I think we would have been a worse situation if we thought we were going to be strong and we weren't, and we'd be scratching our heads. So what that told me was that we knew where we were. We weren't just where we wanted to be, as opposed to putting stuff on the car and saying this is going to be good, and then it's not. So at least our data has been accurate. End quotes. Uh, Oscar Piastri, the uh, real standout, uh, the uh, well former McLaren rookie driver, well, not former McLaren, he's formerly a rookie going into uh, his second year in Formula One, says that there's no barriers in uh, the relationship he has with teammate uh, Lando Norris. And uh, he believes that uh, the relationship between the two of them is uh, essential for McLaren's progress and improvements, continued improvement in Formula One. And uh, he says that uh, it's very important to have a completely open relationship uh, and having no barriers with his teammate, Lando Norris, if the team is going to be uh, 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 continually uh, developing. And uh, he was uh, speaking to uh, Matt Q over motorsport.com uh, And uh, he said, quote, the relationship is still exactly the same. Of course, we're not winning titles at the moment. We're a lot closer than we were, but we still need to find a bit more to challenge and beat Red Bull. So it's still very important for us to work together and help the team develop the car. The team back at MTC and the engineers here are doing their best to try and help things. But if me and Lando have got any additional info or directions on things, then anything we can do to help is going to help the both of us. In terms of data and stuff like that, it's all completely open. There are no barriers or anything, and that won't change. We just make to, need to make sure that our racing is respectful. But apart from that, it's all good. End quote. So very, very important that uh, the two uh, of those uh, drivers uh, get to get on well. And boy, what a good pairing that uh, that that is of Lando Norris and Oscar Piastri. Uh, I I think obviously we had a lot of questions about Oscar Piastri coming into last season. It was very bizarre how that uh, whole situation where (laughs) he was supposed to be going to Alpine and then he wasn't and basically said so on uh, social media ends up uh, taking Ricardo's spot uh, at McLaren. And of course, there's always going to be questions around uh, a rookie driver. There's there's, There's always questions about rookies in any sport. But I think in Formula 1, those those questions are just uh, bigger and they're more magnified or maybe not bigger, or more magnified, but certainly more more focused because compared to, say, a, a football team, a, a rookie in the NFL or the NBA or whatever it might be, there's only 20 Formula 1 drivers. So if you have a rookie that struggles and take a look at uh, uh, Nick DeFries last year, even though he was like 27, 28 or whatever it was, still rookie season in Formula 1, struggled mightily and then was uh, replaced halfway through the season by Danny Ricardo and uh, you know kind of compare that to, to the season that the uh, oscar piastri had of course perhaps uh you know we didn't get a good look at his true potential because the the, the mclaren struggled at the start of the season but once he kind of found the footing and the car was uh, much improved boy what a good package that was and what a good uh, good to, you know pairing that is with lando norris and uh oscar piastri hopefully lando has the same uh feeling that uh you know, towards um, uh, Oscar Piastri that Pat Piastri has to them, because it is essential that the pair of them uh, do work uh, together because ultimately, uh, you know, it is going to benefit the team and what benefits the team will help uh, develop uh, and and help the car get better. And that can only be good uh, for for the both of them. All right. Time to take another quick break. Please hang around. Uh, We've got a couple more stories for you tonight. And we'll do so in just a moment after we step aside for a brief message from our sponsors. Don't go away. All right, welcome back to the show. And the next story here, we're going to go from uh, four wheels to two wheels. And those two wheels don't even have a mechanically powered engine in them. Uh, we're going to talk now about uh, cycling. And there is a, a tie-in to Formula One here just to, because it's a, it's a bit interesting. And this is uh, from uh, GlobalCyclingNetwork.com. It's about a week old, but I thought it was uh, worth uh, mentioning. And this is a story that Red Bull has uh, acquired a controlling stake in uh, Bora Hansgrohe, which is an elite uh, cycling team. And... So there's no need to really get too to, uh, deep into uh, what's going on in uh, in, in elite uh, cycling but um, you know, at these elite levels, uh, Bora Hansgrohe is a team that goes to all the grand tours, like the Tour de France, the Giro d'Italia, et cetera. Um, hasn't been like a big uh, contender. They've had some good cyclists, good, good riders over the year, but Red Bull has acquired uh, 51% of the, uh, ownership in the pairing company. And this is uh, Bora Hansgrohe is a, uh, is a German team and, uh, the, the big, uh, well, the the big news is that uh, that Primus Roglic is uh, supposedly uh, supposed to be uh, going there. So what's interesting is Red Bull, which is uh, based in Austria, will uh, indirectly acquire 51% in RD Pro Cycling and uh, a bunch of other things, which owns the Boer Hansgrohe World uh, Tour team. And I thought it was interesting because, um, OK, it's not Red Bull Racing, but I thought as a brand, it's just a very interesting just to, like how much money that uh, that that red bull has and uh, that uh, they're able to throw it around i mean they're involved with two formula 1 teams a number of uh, professional soccer teams uh you know elite cycling team i mean things are good for 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 red bull so anyways uh, the the team manager ralph denk Uh, had uh, the, well, previously had the the majority stake in the company, Uh, there was uh, a couple of uh, statements uh, released uh, saying, quote, Red Bull is planning to expand its involvement in road cycling and aiming for partnership with Bora Hansgrohe by becoming a partner in team manager Ralph Dank's operating company. Red Bull strives to complement the team's portfolio of existing long-term main sponsors who will remain on a long-term basis. The planned joint venture has been notified to the relevant antitrust authority and uh, goes on to say, we ask for your understanding uh, that we will not comment further on the planned joint venture, as we do not wish to anticipate the ongoing review by the uh, Austrian Antitrust Authority. And then uh, it keeps on going, blah blah blah. So, anyways, it's uh, it's very interesting that uh, that they were, you know, the the thing is that Red Bull apparently is, um, you know, uh, was reported to be involved in Han- uh, poor Hansgro's sign of Primus Roglic in the off season. And uh, apparently uh, Roglic uh, was uh, spotted at uh, the Red Bull Athlete Foreman Center just outside of Salzburg while the uh, the, the, the talks were ongoing between uh, the two parties. So just interesting. I thought it was uh, worth mentioning that Red Bull, uh, just uh, as an entity, uh, just across the board, uh, is uh, throwing a lot of money around in a lot of different uh, places. Anyways, back to Formula One. Uh, this is another one. So um, th- this is an interesting story about uh, Williams, uh, and uh, the title is Why Behind the Curve Williams is Only a Positive for, for Voles. and uh, that is uh, James Voles, The team principal is uh, Williams, and uh, he's been uh, pretty open and forthcoming about, uh, you know, since he's been with the team for, you know, since joining there last year, beginning of last year, how far behind it was in some of the infrastructure compared to a lot of the other Formula One teams. I thought it was interesting last year hearing some of the things of uh, uh you know some of the quotes uh, by uh, James Voll saying that things that he was used to getting into, at, uh at you know <laughs> at uh, Mercedes that would take a month or two or something that uh, if he wanted that done at Williams he said well that will take a year or two or something uh, similar um you know he said uh in an interview with motorsport.com that he actually likes the uh, the the what he calls the infrastructure situation And he said, quote, the team has done incredibly well before I joined and even when I've been here because it's driven by passion. It's a true racing team. Anytime I keep looking at our facility structures, infrastructure methods, and I realize how far behind we are, I'm only encouraged by it. We're here today, uh, we, we're we here where we are today, and I can't wait until we get a lot of it fixed because we'll be in a much better place and in a short space of time too because there's still quite a bit still of low-hanging fruits left over that we can uh, pick up, end quote. So, you know, it, it's very interesting, right? Because, uh, you know, this is a team that until fairly recently was decently competitive and i mean well maybe not uh, fairly recently but i mean if you go back to the mid teens 2016 2017 especially when felipe massa was still around this was a team that was kind of in the best of the rest uh, conversation okay it wasn't a ferrari wasn't a, a mercedes but uh, you know they were good for a podium here and there and then they very quickly fell into the abyss and in terms of performance uh, you know they didn't really have all the, the the greatest drivers there, and some of the drivers that they've had have gone on to uh, other teams and done some uh, bigger and better things. Look at George Russell and Lance Stroll, gone on to uh, Mercedes and to Aston Martin, etc. So uh, interesting to, to to see. But I mean, th- this is a team that I I struggle with because when I was a kid, when I was getting into Formula One, they were at the top and they had some great drivers, they had some great cars. I mean, uh, you you look at the cars, the Williams cars that they built in the late 80s and the early 90s and even into the 2000s. I mean, just gorgeous cars. I mean, I've got a couple of 118 scale models here just uh, surrounding me on the shelf just uh, beside where I'm recording this podcast right now. Just gorgeous cars. I mean, you look at the one sort of like in the mid 90s. When, uh, when Damon Hill won his uh, world championship powered by the Renault. I mean, just absolutely fantastic stuff. And to see them just drop off like they have, I mean, they haven't won a race now since what was it 2012 when, when Pastor Maldonado won at, uh, at the Spanish Grand Prix. That was a, a bit of an unexpected, uh, well, let's just be honest. It was a bit of a fluke and, uh, that was their first win in in a number of years, but, you know they they were at uh, they were up there for a long long time and to to see them especially in recent years struggling like they were, it was uh, you know for for me personally very disappointing and there there, there was some hope but also some nervousness uh, you know from or discomfort on my behalf I mean I don't have any financial stake in the team but I don't want to see the brand uh, disappear and I mean this was a team that was run by Frank Williams and his family for what forty years or something like it was until he stepped aside and then Claire Williams took over and then uh, eventually the, the the family sold the team to Duralton Capital. And I, I must admit that when I heard that, uh, you know, a, a venture capitalist firm like Duralton Capital came in, I figured this is just going to be a placeholder thing. They're going to, you know, just uh, use it as an investment, sell it on and, uh, you know, you know just uh, try and make money off of the, the, you know, just treat it as a property, as an investment and make some money off of it and then uh, sell it on to the next person. But Uh, they, they've been there for a couple of years now and slowly, but surely things are, are getting better. I mean, it's got more of a, I have to admit a bit more of a corporate feel to it. I mean, when the Williams family was involved, it still felt like there was a bit more of a family feel, a bit of a racy kind of old school, like, you know, like, like, like just build a car get out there and race, even though that's, you know, not easily done (laughs) in Formula One this day and age, but it certainly felt like that. And uh, it was for me. I mean, uh, just very worrisome that this might be a team that would uh, disappear forever. But even so, now I think they're they're obviously like a little bit more uh, stable. With the ownership that they have, and uh, I think that they've got a very very good driver in Alex Albon. Uh, I, I think that was a really brave move that they did. That uh, they they pried him away from Red Bull, and they kind of went their own way and didn't really uh, let uh, Mercedes, who was their their engine partner, and. And uh, you know, uh, tried to influence uh, to to put another driver into the car that was a little bit more to their liking. They went out and got a driver that they wanted, and uh, we've seen uh, last season especially that uh, that Albon had some uh, you know some bright moments. I uh, don't have his stats uh, particularly in hand, but he had some very very good races and uh, did some things with that car in races and in qualifying that that were encouraging uh, to see. I mean, Logan Sargent, the American rookie, had a very difficult uh, year and. At a, at a times, um, you know, had more of a rookie season in Formula One than say Oscar Piastri had as a rookie season in, in Formula One. I mean, they were two contrasting tales. I mean, Piastri got a lot of uh, got a, a lot of headlines for a lot of the things that he did he did last year. Maybe that uh, goes to prove of just like you know how talented, how good the, that he is. And Logan Sargent, maybe the the uh the, the, the jury is still out on uh, on him as a driver. I mean, is there something still there? Is it as good as it's gonna get and things like that? But um certainly, I mean, at least with Alex Elmon, delivered some uh, very um you know promising moments uh, in the, that Williams last year. Because they also had uh, other uh, news uh, at uh, Williams this uh, this year. Or sorry, this year, this week. Pardon me, uh, and that they've extended their engine deal with uh, with Mercedes until 2026, and uh, they will. Well, actually, they will stay on with them uh, beyond 26 until 2030. So that's uh, very long. So James Vause uh, said in an inter uh, in an announcement, uh, "It is uh, fantastic to extend our partnership with Williams Racing." Until 2030, we have enjoyed a strong relationship uh, with them since the introduction of the current power unit regulations. and look forward to continuing that effort into the next era their commitment and support to our future uh, power unit strategy is highly valued we look forward to approaching the new uh, rule set together with the same passion and enthusiasm we did in 2014 and with the aim of achieving similar successes uh total wolf who's the team principal at uh, mercedes said quote williams is a historic f1 team and over the course of our partnership we have enjoyed notable successes together since our first partnering back in 2014 One of our proudest moments at the HPP in the current uh, turbo hybrid era was seeing our power unit lock out the top four positions of the 2014 Austrian Grand Prix with Williams taking well-deserved third and fourth. Our working relationship with Williams has only strengthened over the past decade. And we look forward to continuing that productive approach as we head into the next generation of power units in 2026. End quote. All right. Well, let's talk about something else now. Let's talk about uh, Lewis Hamilton. So, Uh, Formula One analyst uh, Peter Windsor was on uh, a YouTube uh, live stream uh, recently, and uh, we're just talking about uh, Lewis Hamilton, talking about Max Verstappen. Ah, uh, Lewis, of course, seven-time world champion. Uh, you know, had the opportunity to win an eighth, uh, record eighth uh, world championship. Uh, you know, taken away from him, wrested out of his hands when he could uh, literally uh, feel the trophy at Abu Dhabi a couple of years ago. Uh, no need to get into that uh, craziness again. So, at least uh, the way that things stand uh, now is that uh, Lewis seven world championships, and Max has three. And uh, Peter Windsor believes that uh, Max Verstappen could in his words, absolutely become a seven-time world champion and perhaps could, uh, you know, better Lewis Hamilton. Uh, When he was asked on the live stream, uh, he had the following to say, "Quotes for sure he could absolutely. I was talking about this with a friend, actually, about how good Max is now. I made the point that one of the reasons he is so good now, so intense... And this is one of the reasons he's good, because he's always been a very good team with a very good car and knows those people very well, particularly Red Bull's uh, design chief Adrian Newey and uh, team principal Christian Horner. has a very good team as well. It's one thing to know your team if they're in the midfield. That's another thing if they're the best team in Formula One and he fits there like a glove on a hand. And that's perfectly, uh, absolutely a perfect situation for a driver with that amount of talent. And that has happened. And as a result of that, the talent has taken an additional leap forward, I think, to a realm that perhaps we've never seen before in the history of Formula One. I don't like comparing comparing eras, but I can think of another driver who's been so in sync with the car that he drives, which happens to be, for the most part, a race-winning car. I know there was a period when the Mercedes engine had the advantage and he didn't have the power to compete, but even then, it was a very good team getting the best from the car with a power down-on-power engine, and it was a team that a young kid would want to be with at that point. Now the car is brilliant, and it's just bringing more and more out of Max Verstappen. Has Lewis got the chance of winning another world championship? I really hope that he has because I feel still feel terrible about what happened in Abu Dhabi, but I'm not sure that he will get the opportunity as long as Max is there at Red Bull, to be honest, end quote. So what do you think uh, about uh, uh, Peter Windsor's comments? Uh, do you think that uh, as long as Max is at Red Bull, he's just going to keep winning the championships until he, he le- le- equals Lewis? That's just four championships more, four more seasons, it's possible. Could he beat him at the end? Well, Max, uh, still in the prime of his, uh, his career, still fairly young Lewis towards the tail end of his career. And, you know, it looks like at this point, perhaps maybe there is something to what, uh, Peter Windsor is, uh, saying about, uh, Max Verstappen, uh, and, uh, where he could end up in the list of world champions in the, in the future. Well, uh, quickly now about uh, Alpine. So they're really, uh, hoping that, uh, to to revive their fortunes in Formula One, uh, they've spent some more money on factory tools, upgrading those. And uh, well, they finished sixth in the constructors' championship last year. They had uh, an up and down season. They had two podiums, and uh, they were pretty uh, pretty brutal at some some uh, tracks and better at others. But uh, their technical director Matt Harmon uh, believes that the the new upgraded factory tools will give the team uh, an injection of energy, a big boost even before we get to the the new uh, regulations that uh, are only two years away now in 2026. Anyways, uh, Harmon had to say, quote, our focus is very much on the future and the 2026 regulations, as well as the cars that we need to do between now and then. Uh, we've also got a big program of both sites and Bone and Viri to improve the capabilities and the functions. You've seen this in the CapEx uh, equalization topics that have gone on with the FIA. We fully funded those to achieve those, or we're going to put all those pieces of equipment in They'll be alive and working to feed into the 2026 regulations. They will also be feeding into cars before that. We've been getting uh, focusing our simulation tools, which need to be sharp, better getting good answers to difficult questions more quickly. And I've experienced that in teams that I've worked on in the past. And that's one of our capability improvements. So we're doing all of those things. And the plan that we've had for the last three years, from my perspective, is unchanged. We're just accelerating it. We're well-funded. We've got enough people. It's just about getting on with it, getting our heads down, end quote. So we'll see. I don't know if uh, Alpine has what it takes. That's been another frustrating team to to, to watch. I mean, they've been on the grid now since, what, 2015, 2016 as well, since they took over Lotus, rebranded. Uh, First, they were Renault and then uh, rebranded again to Alpine uh, a couple of years ago. And, um, you know, they've only really delivered a couple of podiums here and there uh, during their their latest incarnation in Formula One. And again, just a a frustrating, underperforming team that just hasn't uh, delivered the goods uh, to date. A couple quick ones here. So there's uh, some uh, construction work that is uh, taking place at Monza which uh, they're hoping will help uh, keep uh, a Formula One race there in the future. Um, they're trying to improve the track and the infrastructure and uh, things like that. So uh, when uh, they were talking about Monza last year, Formula One CEO Stefano pardon me, Stefano Domenicali said, improving Monza's facilities was absolutely crucial if they wanted to have any uh, hopes of getting a contract uh, extension. Uh, Domenicali said at the time, quote, the historical value of Monza is beyond question. But we also need to keep up with the times in terms of services, which must be in line with the prices being paid with those who come to the racetrack. Within the next year, we will have a clear idea about the future. End quote. So they um, they started. They had a, a groundbreaking ceremony uh, to uh, you know to kick off the uh, the redevelopment, all the construction work, and uh, it's you know, a, a fairly intense 140 days that they're they're going to have to what they call a redevelopment push. Um, so, uh, people that were there include Italian Federation president, Angelo Sticky Damani and deputy prime minister, Matteo Salvini. And, um, the event also confirms some of the, uh, the key areas that they're going to, uh, that they're going to work on during this redevelopment. It's going to be a complete track resurfacing, construction of new underpass, plus the expansion of three current ones around the, uh, the circuit, improved pit building facilities, and, uh, a bunch of improvements to the grand stanzas uh, as constant, sound like Gollum from uh, Lord of the Rings, but uh, it's getting late now and I've been rambling for almost an hour. So you'll forgive me if, uh, <laughs> if uh, I stumble here and there, uh, sticky Damani said, uh, quote, our main goal is to bring the Autodromo back up to speed. We can no longer afford to have problems with the flow of fans and we must offer greater comfort to those who come to the circuit. We have set ourselves with three goals to be, uh, best meet the requests made to us. And these, uh, And of these, the first is the underpasses. The second goal is related to the grandstands. We will still have several temporary structures, so we'll build more solid structures that will provide all the amenities in line with what spectators expect today. Each grandstand will be an island with all the necessary services inside, so the public will not have to move around. And finally, a permanent type of roofing will be built over the pit building. Uh, The uh, support pillars will be reinforced because the structure will grow in height, end quote. So... Uh, anyways, uh, Stefano Domenicali said, uh, that this is an important goal to get, uh, Monza all, uh, upgraded and modernized. He said, quote, we need to be able to receive our guests in a proper structure and no longer ad- under a tent as it was last year. In addition to this, there are obviously other interventions needed for the future. Monza has a great tradition, but we also must look ahead and uh, purpose the racetrack at the level of the other world championship tracks and quote. So there you go. Uh, A couple of things now, just uh, really quickly before we wrap it up. So uh, another key person has left the FIA and that is technical director, Tim Goss. And uh, that is, you know, the latest uh, person, latest name after, uh, you know, a number of people have uh, left uh, most recently. Well, before uh, this uh, resignation of Tim Goss was a sporting director, Steve Nielsen, who resigned last month. And uh, both of them were very key figures within the, the FIA. Uh, so he was, uh, you know, it's you know, in the the article I'm reading here from Motorsport says that uh, Goss's, uh, you know, departure from the FIA is is a really big blow because he's a, a real important figure within the, uh, you know, the development of the 2026 regulations. He reports to single-seater director uh, Nicolas Tombasis, who noted, "quote We are disappointed to lose a person of Tim's caliber from the organization. Tim has played a major part in the technical department. And has always operated at the to the highest level." We understand that his career is taking a new direction going forward, and we support, and respect your desire to pursue another path, and wish him luck for his future endeavors. End quotes. Uh, so there you go. Uh, another person uh, will be uh, is leaving. Uh, anyways, uh, Nielsen, who left uh, last month, will be replaced by Tim uh, Malion, who uh, previously served as uh, the safety director at the the FIA. And uh, the the, the FIA said in a statement that uh, Melian will oversee all sporting matters, including race direction and the remote operations center in Geneva. And uh, Niels uh, Wittich will remain in his role as a race director. And so there we go. And then finally... well, let's just say, uh, F. I. Uh, President Mohammed bin Suleiman is uh, a bit of a polarizing figure. It seems that uh, you know a lot of people seem to have it in for him, or at least uh, does. He's a bit of a, a controversial uh, person, at any rate. He said that uh, he knows who is attacking him, in uh in, uh, in an information leak. And uh, well, 2023 was a was a pretty rough year for uh, for, for for bin Sulaim. He openly criticized uh, what he called the inflated value of Formula One. Uh, and he got a letter from the Formula One management and uh, ended up uh, by getting uh, Mercedes and Toto and Susie Wolf uh, in uh, upset, you know, following what was an investigation into what uh, was a leaked situation. Uh, he said that, uh, you know, Ben Salam says he's uh, the innocent party. And uh, he said that there's people out there that are, are going you know, They're trying to get him. Uh, he told uh, Motorsport uh, Magazine, quote, they are media representatives. They know how they work. Uh, people don't want to wake up and read the sky is blue the grass is green the birds are singing at the end of the day i know who's attacking me and they think i don't know do you really think i would be in this position if i had stupid people around me of course my team is very smart the paddock is a very small circle and everyone knows everyone you know who leaked something or invented something about me i know it and what do i do i smile about it i know who's behind it and then i smile at them is it counterproductive no Is it good for business no Ah, uh, people who talk about it don't even know what uh, they're talking about. Do they really believe that the big manufacturers would make their own mastery that does not have a regulator? Do they really think they would invest? Because do you want another WWE You already know beforehand who wins? That someone invests and suddenly the rules are changed? No, it's about having clear rules beforehand. Then you can invest. This is a show, not here. End quote. So, anyways, <laughs> he kind of going around uh, a lot of different ways. Said uh, you know, talking about the rumors. Uh, that, uh, you know, like not, not, not just concerning himself, but also that Formula One was also uh, considering about splitting and uh, going away from uh, from FIA. Anyways, there you go. So an hour into it, let's uh, call it uh, a day for, uh, for now. Uh, thank you, one and all, for listening to the show. Thank you for, for getting in touch. Looking forward to getting uh, things back on track here, getting back into our groove. Looking forward to the new season coming up in uh, in uh, just a couple of months, and uh, that will start to ramp up uh, pretty quickly. Uh, if you want to get in touch, give us a follow on X at uh, f one pod Send us uh, a message. And thanks very much for listening. Be back again this time next week. Until then, have a great weekend. Have a great start to next week. And uh, we'll talk to you then. Bye for now.